Welcome back to another episode of the Gathering My Thoughts MTG Podcast. My name is Spencer, and today we're going to be doing an episode that's a little bit different than the ones that I've been doing before. Basically, uh, a few weeks ago, Preston and I released an episode where we were talking about what our predictions were for the new Capenna set that's coming up uh, in a couple of weeks now. And we released one of those episodes, and then we went to release the second one, and Wizards announced some information that changed what we wanted to say, so we released a different episode. Um, and now, so we, we're, we're, this week we're getting the stories for New Capenna, and so we're starting to hear like uh, what some of the new uh, you know, realities of the, the set and the story are actually going to be like. And upon reading some of these stories, we realized that some of Preston's original predictions we're actually pretty close so far um, based on what we're, what we're finding out now. So I thought it would be interesting if we then just re-release that original episode uh, that we ended up re-recording and releasing. And so this is uh, Preston's original New Capenna uh, theory on, on what we expect uh, to come out of this set. And so we recorded it a while ago, but we thought we'd, we'd let you hear it again now. So. I don't need to do uh, very much uh, gathering of my thoughts right now, but just give me a second to uh, get all that going for you. So as I said last week, um, one of the things that I like, I like magic because of the lore, the, the story, um, that really excites me and it keeps me engaged. And I almost get equally excited for new sets um, to hear how that story and how this this world that I've grown to love and these worlds, I guess, plural at, you know, because planes, um, how that just grows and expands. And so as soon as I heard of Nuka Pena, my brain starts turning specifically when I heard that this plane was important to Elspeth, right? And so you, you kind of you like Elspeth, don't you? I do. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I my story with magic is the very, very first I got into magic Um Spencer was one of the influencing factors that got me into magic, actually. But the very first deck I kind of ever played was just Kitchen Table Magic. It wasn't any real format, but it was the Elspeth versus Kiora dual deck from Original Theros. And um, I thought that Elspeth Sun's Champion was the coolest thing ever. I, I kind of had a white weenie deck, and I thought that like the swarming idea. And so ever since then, I've had very warm feelings about Elspeth because she was kind of the reason I got into magic. Like this really... This card was a planeswalker. I, when I learned what that was, that was cool. And she was the first one I owned. And I just thought everything about her was so cool. Like her story, like as I started, and, you know, I got into magic partially because of Elspeth's story. Like I was reading about her and how like this, like, you know, one character like kind of towed off against so many, you know, planar threats that she, she I learned that she fought Frexia. I learned that she went toe to toe with the sun god Heliod and, and how she was always like trying to do the right thing. And it just really was compelling to me. Um, and then the, the other guy I was kind of getting into with, he really liked Jace. And I always was like, no, Elspeth is so much better than Jace. And he's like, no. <laughs> and I would always like try to prove to him lore, using lore that Elspeth's feats were so much cooler than Jace's feats. So that was kind of this funny little rivalry that we had. I kind of like, don't like blue that much in this day. So maybe that was why, you know, maybe it all goes back to that, <laughs> that argument. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And just to be um, clear, that guy was not necessarily me. I don't mean to like hate on, uh, on Jace, but uh, no, it was not it, Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> so, so here's my I thought. I don't right? know why. Yeah. Say what again? 
I was just saying, I don't know why I feel the need to <laughs> differentiate <laughs> myself from Jace, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, he, I would not say that he is my favorite planeswalker. Um, so here's the thing, right? And, and, and learning about Elspeth's lore, there's not a lot of holes, right? And so I'll kind of give you just kind of a brief recap of what we know about Elspeth. Elspeth was born on a plane controlled by Phyrexians. And that's massive because we only know of, you know, really one place right now where Phyrexians are, and that's New Phyrexia. Um, Mark, Mark Rosewater on his, on his uh, blog atog probably around six months ago made a really important distinction when someone was asking about Phyrexians and he's like, we know about three Phyrexian groups. We know about Yogmoth's Phyrexians from Dominaria and like the OG magic days. We know about the new Phyrexia Phyrexians that have taken over Mirrodin. And we also know about the group that Elspeth had to deal with. And a lot of people like noticed that. I was like, well, Mark Rosewater oftentimes only makes distinctions that are that strict unless it's something kind of like a low key spoiler for upcoming sets. And so I had read that and then New Capenna was released shortly thereafter that. And then New Capenna had the, the one of the little tidbits was this plane's important to Elspeth. And so again, going back to Elspeth's history, she was born on a plane controlled by Phyrexians. Um, when a Phyrexian obliterator came to basically torture her, the, the trauma of that experience caused her spark to ignite. And she went to Theros initially and then um, picked up her sword from, from Heliod. She actually saw Heliod and Peripheros fighting. And from, from, from there, she went to Bant and became a knight and in Alara and kind of helped when the, when the, when the confluence happened and, and the shards started kind of aligning. Um, she realized that, you know, one thing led to another. She couldn't necessarily help that plane anymore. So she tra- transport, you know, she teleported again. She fought in some gladiatorial pits. Um, Koth, uh, or Koth, however you pronounce it, from Frexia, New Frexia picked her up. Because of her experience with Frexians, he recruited her to his cause. She fought the Frexians. Uh, New Frexia tried to liberate them. Um, that is, was a lost cause. And in this kind of desperate moment, she and Koth were like the last two alive and Koth basically forced her to planeswalk the way he detonated a soul bomb, which basically would have killed her and, and made the decision for her, like, you need to leave. Um, from there, she went to Theros and, you know, had the whole events of the original Theros block, which accumulated in her being betrayed by Heliod and being cast to the underworld. And that kind of brings us where we are today, where she just got out of the underworld. So that's a lot, a lot of talking. My point, though, is that there's not holes in that. There's not like this very many places where we don't know where Elspeth's been. And so that really means that, you know, the one place that if there's a plane important to Elspeth, my thought was, well, what if that's New Capenna? Like New Capenna's a city, but what if the plane itself is the plane that Elspeth had? You know, there's Phyrexians. So this is where the tinfoil hats come in, right? So here's my speculation about what New Capenna is, you know. And the other, the other thing that I want to point out about this is all the art that has been spoiled so far from New Capenna is very dark, right? It has this very much like it's nighttime kind of vibe. So that is significant and for, for something coming up, I'll, I'll about to explain. So, so here's my thought, right? In this unnamed plane that has, has Phyrexians on it, the Phyrexians subjugated the, the denizens of this world. They, they have, they've captured... Their whole idea of completion is not unique to the new Phyrexian Phyrexians. It's always been, you know, Phyrexia and the mother of machines and this this twisting and corrupting. That is the identity of Phyrexia. So Elspeth's world is subjugated to that. And it's it's like in you know the um one of my favorite cards about the flavor of um of the Phyrexians is um inexorable tide. 
just first of all, the name of it is really interesting to me. But then the flavor text says, see, um, see how gratefully this world accepts our blessing. And just it's like this thing you can't stop, this tide that always comes in. And so my thought process is that, you know, the, the denizens of this unnamed plane tried to stop the Phyrexian invasion. They realized that they couldn't. And so the angels of this world, the righteous protectors of the people, saw what was happening and knew that they could never beat this. And so it's the next best thing. Well, to try to hide, kind of pulling a Teferi on Dominaria, hiding and removing. Hiding their, away. Hiding, hiding away. Da, da, da. Hide away. Um, as a form of protection. If the Phyrexians, if we are able to hide and the Phyrexians don't know we're there, they will have effectively thought that we have conquered this world. And so the angels of this world, you know, get as many of the different races and groups of people as they could um, and retreat underground into like the darkness of the deep and from there build a new metropolis and and kind of taking the shattered ruins of the cultures and the of the people they came they decided to name this new metropolis after the greatest city of their fallen world capenna original capenna and as kind of paying homage to that they name it new capenna and and to and to honor the angel saviors that have saved them from the phyrexian threat they build up uh, angel architecture, which is why there's so much angel angelic architecture. So demons, historically in magic, they don't cooperate. They're all about you know do, you know controlling. They're all about um, you know dominating. They're all about corrupting. But they're 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 not team players. They're not family players historically. And so, in this suddenly massively reduced world of theirs, there's not enough room to just conquer the demons realize that they have to kind of play nice, right? Because if, you know, if any one of the demons went through with their schemes, it would basically eradicate all the followers they'd have because all the people would die all the, in this one, this small geographic area now, right? And so kind of out of necessity, the demons start forming partnerships. They start forming alliances and maybe to the point where even their color identity switched out of the very nature of needing to survive, right? Demons kind of get their power from their followers through contracts, through, through, through subjugation, and so their color identities slowly start to shift to basically make it so that they can exist within this new underground world of theirs, this new, um, you know, smaller version of the, the world that they once lived in. And so that's why these crime families start forming, right? You get these demons who come in and, and, and so these, these crime families form from these demons um, basically as, as in, in a way to, so they can continue their demonic schemes, but also smaller scale so that they can, you know, make, have survival. Um, so that leads us to what I think is the current backdrop of what New Capenna is, right? It's this 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 underground city that's kind of removed from everything, um, and these demon families. It's like this tentative. It's like these the, the families are what keep it working. Right? If one any one crime family, especially if they're all run by demons, gets more power, it threatens the very balance of this metropolis because this is what's left of Capenna. This is what's left of the plain. And if one family gets too far, it's like they hold each other in check, right? Or else the whole world will come crashing down. Um, and so, you know, as these power struggles go on, it's actually the backbone of what keeps everything working. Um, now, where I think Elspeth comes into this is if this is all true, again, this is all so speculative. There's so many ifs, there's so many, um, you know, jumps of logic I might be taking. Well, there might be the entire upper world, the, the the overworld or whatever, original Capenna. They might not even know that these survivors are around, right? It might be that the world that Elspeth was born into, you know, this this angel, this these angels saving these these denizens 
this might have taken place years in advance, right? We had we had at least enough time to build up an entire city. That, that takes a significant amount of time. So Elspeth might have been born on this plane, not even knowing of the existence of New Capenna. She might have been born in just the, the horrors of Phyrexian. The Phyrexians, meanwhile, as this, this little city has been being, or this metropolis, rather, has been formed in secret, they have taken control over the overworld. They That inexorable tide has swept through and has completely completed um, this plane. And that's the world that Elspeth was in, born into, a world of darkness, a world of, of terror, of, of torture, of machines. And so um, she might not even know, and the people that are you know alive, they might not even know about the existence of New Capenna. And it might even be like, there's no hope because if the Frexians ever learned about New Capenna, there's nothing that would stop them from trying to subjugate them as well. So where this falls into the normal story and where the conflict comes in, because, you know, you can't have a great story without conflict. Um, Ob Nixilis is on this plane, right? Ob Nixilis is a demon. His whole identity from a in his lore is he's a conqueror. He His spark ignited when he conquered and kind of because of him, every single living sentient creature on his plane was destroyed and killed through contracts that he made with demons. He basically conquered his plane, and when there was nothing else to conquer, his spark ignited. It wasn't through the trauma of a bad event. It wasn't through, it was through him being basically like, I have conquered this world. I need to conquer Moors. And so the fact that he is on New Capenna is concerning because, again, let's say, you know, assuming that all of this that I laid out is true, this tentative balance that has been struck between these crime families that keep New Capenna functional and, and floating with all these different demons and their schemes. Suddenly you have a demon that has years of experience who has conquered planes, plural, in the past coming in. And he's trying to throw his weight in. And it looks like in the art, he's already conquered one of the families. So suddenly this, this very carefully crafted, you know, kind of tense alliance slash balance that all these families have is in is in at risk. Because here's Obnixilis himself, one of the, the strongest conquering demons of all. And he hasn't his eyes are set on New Capenna as a city. Now his motivations for this, I don't know. Maybe it's just because, um, you know, after War of the Spark events, he just needed to kind of get a palate cleanser and he wanted to conquer something, but wanted to go small. So he knew about New Capenna. He's like, you know what? I don't have to conquer a plane. I'll just conquer this metropolis. And then that works for me. <laughs> you know, like I got to, I got to just like, make sure I still got it. You know, that's kind of what he thinks. Oh my goodness. Um, Elspeth maybe learns about the existence of New Capenna. This plane's important because she realizes that this plane that she never thought she'd go back to, there's actually a whole other side, another side to the coin. And she is there because of that, right? And so these are all the different elements that I'm speculating on. And again, it's a lot of speculation and it, uh, it, there's not that much room for it to be right or wrong. It's like pretty black and white. It's like, well, it's what I have said, it's either right or it's wrong. <laughs> right, yeah. But I true. think that um, if this is true, I think that would be the coolest thing ever, right? You have this kind of, not just the city, this new Capenna, Great Gatsby feel, you have an underground kind of like, we came here to survive. It makes sense of why the demons have these families that they formed, as opposed to, again, like in any other point in magic history, demons are generally self-serving. If there's if they have people that work for them, they're usually devils, right? It's like there's like a demon overlord with devil creature types that are their minions. But here we have a case where demons are working together all within the same metropolis. Um, they would, it would explain not only all of that, but it would also let us kind of see um, Frexia, right, in a, in, a, in a way. And and if this is, again, true, then 
I'm not saying it'd be in this set, but it would open up just to see, like, if 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 we know that Wizards is building up towards um, a confrontation with New Phyrexia and the Phyrexian Craters, and um, I think that one of the best ways to kind of prepare the hype for that is to see what the result is, is, is if you fail, and the horrors that and the basically the the hopelessness that await any plane that fails to repulse or repel Phyrexia. And a great way to do that would be to show a plane that is beyond saving. And, you know, if New Capenna is like the um, the strict saving of Arcadios, if we ever see the rest of this plane, we get to see what happens when Phyrexians invade and Phyrexians win. And, and that would be phenomenal storytelling, I think. So... I don't know if you have any questions or you want to push on anything that I said. That is my theory about New Capenna and and what awaits us um, story wise about this this new and exciting metropolis that we get to see. Yeah, I love this theory. By the way, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on to talk about New mm-hmm. Capenna because this is a really great theory. Um, I wanted. I don't really want to push back and say like. Uh, that I disagree with you because, like you said, like it's it's a pretty crazy theory. It sounds like it's really well thought through, but if part of it is wrong, pretty much all, all of it is. I wrong. know, I know that's exactly <laughs> right. If, if one thing's wrong, it's like, oh, that's it. Yeah, all of it's all of it's gone. But I do love it, and I want to. Uh, I want to say, what if? Because you you mentioned that there are three uh, groups of Phyrexians, right? That we know of. There might be more, and this third group we don't know much about. That we don't know. Sure where they come from. We don't know if they're more tied to new Phyrexia Phyrexians or if they're more tied to Yawgmoth Phyrexians, um, but they exist, you know? Right. Well, one other thing that we know is now, as as of Kamigawa, Tamiyo is a Phyrexian, right? True. And that has... I, I don't want to get too far into that because I think we're going to plan to talk about it more in a future episode, but that has implications about Phyresis spreading throughout the multiverse in, in a really crazy way. Yep. But what if... What if, uh, you know, Elish Norn and the other Praetors were able to make contact with these other groups of Phyrexians via this new planeswalking ability that they've exactly uh, uncovered? That's you know? a really good point. Maybe there's like, you know, a plane singular or possibly planes plural of like splinter cells, of like sleeper cells of Phyrexians that um, mm-hmm. we just don't know about. And you know, after the Great Mending happened, that kind of changed the nature of Planeswalker Sparks and changed the ability of of, of, of people that are in planes to, to Planeswalker through other means. They just lost contact with each other. And suddenly mm-hmm. Elish Norn is like rallying them all together. Ooh, it's yeah. good. <laughs> well, because uh, they also have shown that they have the ability to send Praetors to other planes via, mm-hmm. uh, assumedly, the Planar Portal, right, with Tezzeret. Yeah. Um, so what if this is kind of a, a tinfoil hat theory to go on top of your tinfoil hat theory? <laughs> what if, what if they sent Shieldred to Old Capenna to inter- to make contact with these old Phyrexians, mm. and that through that we get to meet, we get to have Shieldred in New Capenna somehow? Like I don't know if maybe they planeswalk to this metropolis instead of the overworld or or whatever. But somehow, like, Shieldred is there. It would kind of, like, follow this trend of introducing the Praetors uh, kind of one by one, you know? The one the one flaw with... And here's the thing. I am like, so excited to see Shieldred in a world. Um, there's, there's just two little things with that. One, I think that if we see another Praetor, it's not going to be back-to-back sets. Um, That's maybe, fair. Um, maybe it will be. Who knows? But also, we don't really even know the status of Shieldred right now. We know that um, in, in lore... 
on New Phyrexia. Elish uh, Norn, there's kind of this like power struggle within the Phyrexian Faders about who is going to be there the, in charge. Um, the title was Father of Machines or Mother of Machines. Um, Elish Norn ended up winning, and Jim Gitaxis and Bornklex kind of like joined her side. But she actually went and like conquered Shaeldred's territory, and Shaeldred's status was unknown. In fact, we don't really know much about where she's at officially in lore. Um, and so very well might be because lots of time has passed. Like in real, like real world time, like I think over a decade has passed since Frexia. It might be that Shaeldred has since um joined Elishnorn. Um, but you know, last we saw, they did not have a great relationship, and she would not, Shaeldra would not be necessarily keen to do Elishnorn's bidding. But who knows? I like, I, I do think that we're gonna see Shaeldra on another plane. Um, I, I think I have uh, some theories about this, and again, I don't want to get too far into it. We have a whole uh, episode planned where we talk about the Praetor's story and the Praetor's arc and things like yeah. that. Uh, and I have uh, opinions specifically related to Shieldred that I want to share with you on a future episode. So I'll just leave it at at, at your word here for that for now. Uh, I love it. Shieldred, yeah, yeah. Shieldred mm-hmm. probably won't be around because she doesn't really get along with Elish Norn very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if any of that, the rest of what I've said resonated, um, and it ends up being true. You heard it here first. Thanks so much for checking out uh, this episode where we talk about some of Preston's predictions for uh, uh, Streets of New Capenna. Uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, some of his some of his predictions. I thought they were really, really cool, and it might even turn out that they're more accurate than we thought at first. Uh, but until we come back next week with another new episode, go ahead and check us out uh, on Twitter or Instagram at GMT underscore cast. Um, we'd love to hear from you there. Uh, you can give us a rating and review on whatever podcast app you're listening to, uh, as well as check out some of my articles that I write on uh, get, uh, cardgamebase.com. Any of those would be uh, a great place for you to check out, and we uh, look forward to hearing from you and uh, releasing another episode next week. So thank you so much.